Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Bible in the News. We are about a week after Holocaust Remembrance Day and we're going to consider European anti-Semitism today. The music that you hear isn't the usual Bible in the News music that you're used to listening to. This is rather known as the Krakow Nigun and it's a tribute to the six million that were slain in the Holocaust. So this week, we've seen some events that we're going to comment on, including International Holocaust Remembrance Day, and it happens to be this year the 73rd anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. And today, there's rising anti-Semitism docu documented throughout Europe, Britain, France, Hungary. And Poland is on the way to making the inclusion of the word Poland in any description of the Nazi death camps, an offense punishable by fines and up to three years in prison. So we consider Europe then, and in light of the Bible, one of the places that is commented on is Daniel chapter 7. It's seen there as a beast that is great and terrible. It says, Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible. So that's the fourth kingdom upon the earth. So there was the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. So the, as this beast develops then, there is um, a change where three of the horns are replaced by a single little horn. And without going into it, we see in that the Catholic development in the Roman Empire. It goes on in chapter 11. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to, given to the burning flame. Daniel chapter 7, verse 11. So in Europe today, we see two days before the Holocaust Remembrance Day, Poland moves to outlaw Holocaust accusations against Poles. The law essentially bans accusations voiced by historians and even Holocaust survivors that some Poles were, in, were complicit in the horrific Nazi crimes committed on Polish soil, including in the Auschwitz-Birkenau extermination camp where over a million Jews were murdered. Germany operated six camps in Poland where Jews and other Nazis were considered, Nazis considered their enemies were killed. That is from the National Post, as it comments on 
um, Poland's new law that they are working on. So the reaction to this is quite interesting. Uh, the Times of Israel has a comment. On Wednesday, the U.S. State Department warned that the bill could have repercussions on Poland's strategic interests and relationships, including with the United States and Israel. That is interesting because we don't expect Europe and the United States to be especially cozy at the time of the end. Um, we see from Ezekiel chapter 38, for an example, that we have two different groups of people. We have the ones that are thinking the evil thought that say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods and that dwell in the midst of the land. So they go against the land and against the people. So it's anti-Semitic in nature. But opposed to that, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? So we see two different alliances there, and we would see, we'd expect the United States to be part of those Tarshish nations, and Europe to be part of the nations that come against Israel. So, we've also just had Mike Pence give a speech in the Knesset, and I just wanted to take a little piece from that. He says, Tomorrow when I stand with my wife at Yad Vashem to honor the six million Jewish martyrs of the Holocaust, we will marvel at the faith and resilience of your people, who just three years after walking beneath the shadow of death, rose up from the ashes to resurrect yourselves to reclaim a Jewish future and to rebuild a Jewish state. And this April we will mark the day when the Jewish people answered that ancient question, Can a country be born in a day? Can a nation be born in a moment? As the state of Israel celebrates the 70th anniversary of its birth, as you prepare to commemorate this historic milestone, I say along with the good people of Israel here and around the world, Shekayanu ve'kemanu ve'higiyanu letzman hazeh, which is Hebrew to mean who has kept us alive, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this time. So we have then, we have Europe that's it's coming back to that anti-Semitism that has gripped Europe for centuries. And the United States, on the other hand, is turning to its fundamentalist Christian roots and aligning themselves with Israel on opposite sides of the conflict that is building. And we also, just in October, we had um, the polls passing legislation that blocked the ability for Holocaust survivors to claim family lands. So again, the similar trend towards anti-Semitism. Um, from this little um, report on anti-Semitism from the European Agency for Fundamental Rights on Anti-Semitism. We take this little excerpt. The, two, the 2017 Pew Research Center survey on religious belief and national belonging in Central and Eastern Europe asked its respondents in the general population whether they would be willing to accept Jews as members of their families and found that 53% of respondents in Greece and Romania 48% of respondents in Lithuania, 37% in the Czech Republic, 
32% in Bulgaria, 30% in Poland, and 20% in Hungary answered negatively. I find that quite astounding, that there's that level of anti-Semitism, that presumably if your child or some member of your family wanted to, to marry a Jew, therefore thereby bringing them into your family, or somebody wanted to convert to Judaism, that that would be considered that negatively. Here's um, a quote from this book by David Mattas. It's called Aftershock, and it's considering anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. Because today, anti-Semitism is kind of a dirty word. Nobody wants to be an anti-Semite. But anti-Zionism, well, that's kind of considered something a little bit different. So he says, the anti-Semitism that is anti-Zionism is all too often shared by polite European society. Anti-Semitism has again become respectable in Europe. It is pervasive, permeating political parties and mainstream journalism. The anti-Semitism that is anti-Zionism is as common in European society today as Arianism was before the Second World War. So he's saying that anti-Zionism is very common today in Europe. Here's another piece on European anti-Zionism from the New York Post. They say, even from across the Atlantic, is starting to see mobs of Europeans joined by Arab immigrants rampaging through the streets of France and Germany shouting death to the Jews. The demonstrators are ostensibly protesting Israel's grand operation in Gaza, but the stink of anti-Semitism hangs over so much of what is happening. In Paris, for example, eight synagogues have been targeted in the past week alone. Other targets include Jewish-owned stores and kosher butcher shops. In Berlin and other German cities last week, mobs draped in Palestinian flags defaced synagogues to cries of Hamas, Hamas, Jews to the gas, said the head of the German Jewish community Monday. Never in our lives did we believe it possible that anti-Semitism of the most primitive kind would again be heard in the streets of Germany. So we consider anti-Zionism as really that, as we've seen, it's really just a cloak for anti-Semitism. And also, it really is on its own merits just as, if not more, dangerous than anti-Semitism itself. Um, Israel's Information and Diaspora Ministry in January 2013 said, the anti-Zionism prevalent mainly on the left, which has already become an integral part of the permanent worldview of individuals and groups of the left, can today be defined as cultural code replacing anti-Semitism and enabling its disseminators to deny all connection to anti-Semitism said the report. So that's a quote of a quote. Um, I found it in the Washington Free Beacon, but it's actually from Israel's Information and Diaspora Ministry from January 2013. So <clears throat> this writer, um, Herbert London, in the London Center for Policy Research, made this observation. If Zionism is perceived as the original sin, the grave thing that everybody says is terrible, it's okay to be anti-Zionist. So if that's perceived as this great sin, what then is the solution? He says, only dismantling the Jewish state can redress it. 
We know, though, that God won't tolerate any future aggression against the state of Israel of this kind. He says in Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 18, And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and the creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 38:18-23. And so what will come out of this? A, a kind of parallel chapter in the Bible, Zechariah 14, says in verse 16, It shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So all the nations will come and will worship we are told. And the people are enlightened. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death and victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. For the Lord hath spoken it and it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God and we have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord, and we have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Isaiah 25, verse 7 to 9. And Shlomo Karlebach, when he was writing that nigun to commemorate the six million that died, he thought that it wouldn't be an appropriate commemoration to only be a mournful tune, but it needed also to, to represent the hope, the hope of the future the hope of the six million. And so he added a joyful note to that tune and we'll end with that joyful ending. Nine, 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 nine,